Discover community, find hope, and experience God. This is Discovering Hope with Pastor Eric Cooner. I'll tell you what a great day to worship God, amen? I mean, it's an exciting day that we get to be in God's house, whether you're online, whether you're in the room with us today, we get to worship God and we get to be in God's presence and we get to be challenged today through God's word. And uh, I, I can't think of a better place to be today is right here receiving what God has for us. Uh, my name is Eric Cooner. I'm one of the staff pastors here, youth pastor on staff and uh, excited to be able to bring uh, the word today and speak to you. And today we're going to talk about when opportunity knocks. What do you do when opportunity knocks? What do you do with that? How do you respond when there's a situation or there's something right in front of you that, that there's a need? How do you respond to that? How do you visually look at it? How do you look at those people or, or a situation? How do you respond? What is it that happens the first thing? What's the first thought when you're driving up to the red light and you see the person standing there with the sign? Or when you're watching a video and you see the children in need, or you see the, or you're watching a, a commercial and the, and the same commercial comes on and it's that sappy music and it begins to play and it's trying to pull at your heartstrings to support an animal. And I'm not trying to play it down, but, and it, you know, support this animal or support this family or support, and it's all the, how do you respond to that? When opportunity begins to knock, we're gonna, walk through today Matthew 25 verses 31 through 46 but on the front side we're going to start with verses 41 through 46 we're kind of going to start on the tail end of Matthew it's one of the the scriptures that literally has scared me several times as I've read it and read it it's one of these things that talks about our eternity it talks about our separation from God it talks about those that hurt and did not do and that talks about those that hurt and did do the right thing those that saw people in need when the opportunity was right in front of them how did they respond how do they respond to the least of these and how do they respond to Christ? And so when opportunity is knocking, what do you do with that? So we're going to talk about on the tail end of this, and I know it's one of these things as we walk through this, we kind of unpack this scripture today. We're not so much going to focus on the end result, but I want that to be in the back of your mind. It's one of those things hopefully we'll come back at some point in time and begin to unpack exactly what it's talking about. But here we see in this, in this part of where Jesus is speaking, this tail end of, of talking about opportunities in our life, opportunities lost. On that tail end of this scripture, it's opportunities lost that was taking place. In verse 41, he says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are accursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison? It did not help you. He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do, what you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So when we hear that last line, they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Whatever you did not do for the least of me, you did not do 
for me. And we have opportunities in our life that present themselves daily. And I believe we have opportunities lost because things happen. We, we make excuses a lot of times for time or finances or family or events. And we get preoccupied with so many other things that are happening in our life. And we miss the opportunity. We miss the moment right in front of us to minister, to reach out to the least of these. Or it's maybe seeing something on a screen and being saying, can I invest in that? Can I give to that? And we, we see the need, but we don't respond. Or we hear what's being said, but we don't listen. We can be in the room and hear, but not listen. We can be in the room and hear, but not listen. And I think all, a lot of us are, are guilty sometimes of being in a room and things are happening and people are talking and we can kind of hear, but we don't listen. We don't listen to what's being said. I know I had an opportunity in my life to, to, to step on to, uh, to go on a mission trip. And I'd heard over and countless times, over and over, missionaries come and, and they would share the stories of what had taken place in the countries where they're at. They would share all these things that God was doing, lives that were being changed people that were being healed and just the, the just amazing things that God was doing. And you, you hear those stories and you get challenged, you get excited. And I remember taking those stories and telling somebody else about it. And like, oh man, you would have heard what this missionary was, was saying and what God was doing. And, and, and so, so much we can live off what we're hearing until God challenges us to step out in our faith, to begin to walk at our faith. And as a youth pastor, a young youth pastor had the opportunity, challenged by a district youth director, to, to go on a mission trip and help co-lead a, a trip. And I was like, ah, oh, I've heard about it, but now you're asking me to step into something that I'm not very comfortable with. I mean, are they going to ask us to eat weird food? Are we going to have to go into weird villages? Are we going to have to do some kind of weird stuff? What's going to take place? I mean, I've heard about some of these other things, and it's exciting, but now God's wanting me to to not only hear about it but now he's wanting me to step in it into this and begin to pray about it god challenged me and so went back and invited some of our students would you like to go on this trip we're going to we're going to do this missions trip and so my very first missions trip is helping to lead was into jamaica and you're like wow you you went on a resort and you went no we we never saw the places where you get off the boats and you come and you fly into to the nice hotels and the nice beaches. And we were down in the midst of Kingston into a place that is impoverished. It's, that's, 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 um, it's hard to explain shacks built upon top of shacks in this third world country that all of a sudden that's in the midst of this beautiful country that's surrounded on the outside by beautiful beaches. But in the midst of it, there's chaos. In the midst of it, there's there's those that are suffering, those that are hurting, those that are without water, without food, without clothing, without a place to stay. And when it was hot and humidity 100% and you just sweat the whole time and you're shoved into vans and you're driving from school to school or from street ministry or to orphanages, the places you get to minister but on that trip, no matter how hot and miserable and, and, and bad it was in the van, when you got to step out and you got to look into the eyes of those that were in need, and all of a sudden it changed your faith, and all of a sudden it changed my perspective on what God was doing, what, what I have heard. Now I'm physically in a place because I've stepped out 
And it's not no longer an opportunity lost, but it's an opportunity that, that God is getting ready to do something, not only in my life, but in the lives of others. And, and um, I could have made excuses not to do, to not go, to not be a part of it. God still would have done his work in other people, but God was wanting to do something in me and to shift in me and to, and to shift my focus in a different direction. A lot of times we have to refocus and rethink when we see the need. And we have to step in a place that we trust God. We, we trust God. See, those that heard but rejected, they rejected, they refused to listen. Those, they said, basically when they're saying, not now. You were there, but you chose to not lend a hand. When did we see you? When were you in this situation? And we did not do. Time and time again, there's opportunity lost. Time and time again, we miss the mark. But I think what Jesus is also saying is the passage that you, you were present, but you did not see. You heard the ones, but you did not answer. There was the need, but you did not act. I believe that in which way we serve others points back to the heart. The heart in which we serve, if we serve from a, from a place of dread or what's in it for me, then it's really not serving. What Jesus is saying in essence is that in ministering to others is ministering to him. And when we don't, then it's saying that the agenda of Jesus is not a value or that Jesus is not a value. So when we think about it, maybe it's shifting our perspective, our way of thinking when we see somebody in need is not only ministering to that person, but it's ministering to Jesus. It's saying, Jesus, what can I do? And what he's saying there is what you didn't do for them, you didn't do for me. Because what you think of them is not important. So when you think they're not important, you think I'm not important. You know, Jesus understood what it was like to not have a place to lay his head. Jesus knew what it was like to travel from place to place in want, in need. Jesus knew what it was like to be persecuted. Jesus knew what it was like to be rejected, to push out of his own, of his own town. Jesus walked in places. He understood what the need was. In, in Matthew 8, 20, says, Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. That means from place to place that he went in, he wasn't welcome to come in. Or people didn't see who he was and say, hey, we invite you as a guest. Let's give you the very best. So he knew what it was like to be in a place where people were missing the opportunity to serve him. But as we're called to not only serve him, we're called to serve others. In Matthew 7, 26 through 27, it says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house and fell with a great crash. The foolish heard. They were in the room, but they chose to do it a different way. They chose to, to go down and like, well, I love the way the water flows through here. I want to build my houses close to something that's not unstable, but you were told not to build here. You heard the words. You heard the areas of danger. You got instructions what was the proper way to build. You got the blueprints, but you said, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to listen to that. I want to do it my way. I want what's in it for me. 
And I want to be what's pleasuring for me. I want it to be something that when I, when I build, I want it to be in place where it's for me and me only. And so we see that the results of the foolish man heard but did not do. Heard but did not do. And the results was his foundation was flimsy. There was no foundation because when the, all of a sudden the streams began to rise from the rains that were coming in and the winds began to blow, his house crashed because he didn't build in a place where he was told to build. He didn't listen to the fact is when you begin to build, find a great foundation in which to set on. And when we put our foundation in the word of who God is, we put our foundation in Jesus, we put our trust in Jesus, then all of a sudden when the winds of life begin to come and the chaos comes and the streams arise and all of a sudden things around us, when we're in Christ that we can stand and we can stand firm. No matter what life throws at us, no matter what happens, whatever situation comes, but when we hear and we begin to do, there's a different flip to that scripture. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. The thing is, we can become so consumed with everything around us and miss what is right in front of us. We can look at someone in need and say it's the, the church's job. We can see people walking through and say, well, guess what? I, I, I give my tithe or I gave in the offering the church should handle that. The church, maybe the staff should go. That's their need because I've already given. Why are you asking me to do something beyond more than what I've already given? I see the need, but that's somebody. Well, I pay my taxes and dead government. These people are not getting a job. They ought to get a, get a job. I'm not going to take care of them. I pay my taxes. Let the government take care of them, right? Makes sense, right? Because they're doing it already. And so we make an excuse. I'm not going to give to that. I'm not going to help that person. They should get over there and get a job. Everybody's hiring. Why should I give of something to them? And we argue with what we've heard and what we know to be true. The thing is, are we moved to compassion when we see need, whether it's in front of us or at a red light or seeing the face of children on a video screen? who are in need or, or don't have what's necessary to make it through each day. Are we moved to compassion? Some would say, why well, give? Because I'll never see what happens with what is given. Or if I give it to them, they're just going to waste it. If I probably, that person that's sitting there with that sign, man, they're probably just going to liquor store. They're probably going to go over there and buy a pack of cigarettes. They're just going to waste it. And I thought the same things. I'm just as guilty. I've walked and I've said, all oh, these people, this is a racket. I know there's people that scam and I know there's people that are at that, that that's their job. And they make great money at that. But when the Holy Spirit speaks, it's not my job to worry about what they do with what I give them. Obedience is the willingness to do or give in spite of what others do with our obedience. Obedience is the willingness to do or give in spite of what others may do with our obedience it's not up to me it's up to me to be obedient when the holy spirit speaks and says give but god give i know you've been holding on to that last five in your pocket you've been saving it for some reason this is the reason i want you to give it's not more that you're giving for the that person it's that he's god is wanting to see if you're willing to step out in faith regardless of the person that's standing there that's in need god's saying i want to bless you if you're just willing to bless them. Most of the time, the blessing is more for us than it is for somebody else. God's wanting to test in you and see, will you trust me? 
with what you have? Will you trust me with the last that you have? When you see the need and I speak, will you step out immediately in obedience? Are you going to argue? Are you going to debate? Are you going to make excuses? Are we going to see this opportunity lost? The thing is we can't control what may be done with our obedience or how people may respond to our kindness. We just walk in the obedience of the Lord because God said to move. And if we trust God, if we trust God, then we move. We move. We move. And that's trusting God. When God says do it, when God says speak, when you walk by somebody and and you're pushing your cart and God just says, will you just speak to the person that you're passing as you come face to face? Just speak. And I've been there and I've contemplated and I've walked past. And I'm like, is that me? You know, and I know going and I walk past and I'm like, oh, it's opportunity lost. I'm not going to miss this. I'm turning around. And I turn around and they're gone. And then I'm going from aisle to aisle. I'm like, no, I'm going to find them. And I want to be, even though I wasn't obedient right when God said it. I didn't want to walk in disobedience to God because God may have wanted to do something in that person's life. That they were in the midst of struggle. They were in the midst of need. And maybe just the simple words of God loves you. Or could I pray with you? Or are you okay today? Is there anything I can help you with? You never know what that conversation will start a lead to. How that can begin to speak into somebody's life. Because they may, that person may see themselves as invaluable. They may see themselves as, as invisible. And think that nobody cares. But God sees them. And when God speaks to you, he's saying, I want you to see them and I want you to, to move. In James chapter one, verses 22 through 25, it says, merely, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So what he's instructing us is, do we hear? Not only do we hear, do we do? Not only do we hear, but do we do? Do we step into that? So a true sign that we're becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus is in the action. It's the way we respond in need. In the putting into practice, the seizing of the moment that when the opportunity presents itself, we seize it. It's the heart behind the why. It's opportunities seized. Opportunities seized. In Matthew 7, 24 through 25, so we just read the, 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 the portion above that earlier. Now we're going to get the flip side. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. So it takes practice. He's saying those who hear these words of mine and puts them into practice is a wise man. Because they understand what God's word is instructing, what God is saying, how God is saying to walk out life. God is saying, do you see those in front of you now? You've heard about how to minister them. You've heard about these things. You've heard about that. Now put it into practice. And when we begin to put things into practice, we begin to walk out what God has instructed us. And all of a sudden there's a faith that arises in us. It begins to cause us to shift. Shift. 
It begins to cause us to see people from a place of compassion and not us making excuses. It, it takes us to a place of saying, God, let me help me meet this person's need. How can you use me to serve? How can you use me to speak? How can you use me to go? God, I just want to be obedient. So those that hear and begin to do what it says, what his word says, are wise. Because you take the instruction from God. Practice makes our faith more real. It's one thing to hear about God using you to serve others. It's another thing to experience. It's one thing to hear about how following Jesus changes everything. It's another to see it change everything in your own life. It's one thing to believe that God's word is true. It's totally different to put God's word in action and see it turn out to be true in your own life. It's when we begin to step into what God is asking us to do. Matthew 25, 31 through 40, we had the flip side. Now we're going back to what it says to do. Those that did hear, those that did were willing. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. When the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go out to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Whatever you've done and whatever ways You seize the opportunity you've done for Christ as you've done for others. Those that are least you have done unto him. You've done unto him. Your willingness to to sacrifice, your willingness to give, your willingness to, to go out of your way, your willingness to take a few more moments and be maybe possibly late for work or late for an event or to miss an event. Because you're sitting with somebody and you're sharing and you're, and you're, and you're ministering. Or you've, you're saying, I'm going to take time to go to this person and visit in the hospital. When did we see and when, when did we do this? God says, when you've done it for the least. It's not so much about the who, but it's the what. It's the willingness to, to hear. It's the willingness to respond. The willingness to say, God, I will be. See, real faith is about action and putting feet to our faith. Real faith is about action and putting feet to our faith, putting it into motion, willing to walk out our faith. It's not just walking the walk, but it's walking what we've heard, walking the talk, backing it up, living it out, responding when the Holy Spirit says move. And I love the fact that seeing what God is doing for those and there's story after story where God has moved and moved but we have some of our students that I just love seeing when God begins to challenge them and Madison Eldon is one that's that God has been doing some incredible things and watching and there's countless students God's been doing 
but her stories that God has challenged her several times to step out in faith and to speak. And she's giving me a call and she said, you can't believe it, what just happened. And she's trembling and she's crying because of her obedience, but also the fear hit her beforehand and she began to cry about what what do I say what do I do what if they don't respond the way what all these excuses she was making and was going to be late for for things she had to be at but God said I want you to tell this woman as she's walking into our mall that God loves her and that God sees her and cares about her simple words and but for us to hear that and to respond to a stranger to walk to a stranger in need is terrifying for a lot of us terrifying to stop and actually say that because we don't know how somebody's going to respond. But once again, it's not our job to worry about what they're going to respond or how they're going to think. It's just to be obedient and let God begin to work it out. And she said, I, re- I drove off and I came back and I caught her before she was going in and I told her. And little did she know, she came, that woman came in later, later and met with somebody on our staff. And the person on staff ended up leaving her to the Lord. But she said, you'll never believe what happened before this. She said, God was doing things. Some little girl met me outside and told me that God loved me and God cared for me. And I didn't know that. I didn't, had never felt, I had not been feeling that. And it just began to cultivate something as she went from there and in into a meeting. And all of a sudden, God transformed her life because of obedience, the willingness. And that's happened countless times to her and we've seen students begin to step out and walk in their faith and begin to start a uh, a small group they call the ark and they meet on sunday nights at 7 30 and they've having 20 to 30 students come and sit in living rooms and begin to discuss the amazing things of who christ is challenged they're having kids that are muslims they're having kids that have never heard the faith kids that have, have grown in church and never accepted jesus and their lives are being transformed and kids are coming to christ rededicating their lives and we're seeing things begin to happen because students are willing to say, God, I will step out in obedience. I see the need. I see the hurt. I see those that are lost. I see, and God, I want to be used by you. They've heard and they've heard, but say, God, now it's my time to get in the game. Now it's my time to participate. Now it's my time to get off the bench. I don't want to sit back. I want to be somebody that's out doing what you've called me to do. I see the needs and I want to seize the opportunity. John 13, 35 says, but... By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How are we known is by the way we love one another. You will be known as a disciple of Christ by the way you respond, by the way you love others. God gave us great, two great commandments was, first of all, love him, but love others. Two things, love God, love others. But you're known by the way you love others because when you, you can't help Love others if you love Christ. If you're truly in a relationship with God, what God is doing, you can't help but allow that to begin to pour out of you. And it begins to pour into others because of your relationship with Christ. We're known by the way we love. And we as a church want to put this into practice. By the way we respond, by the way we love and this week, we, we've got something that God is going to, that, that we're excited about, that we've been preparing for. We've been excited for this day as a staff. We've, we've prepped for this. And so today, we're going we're gonna to challenge you in some few things with a Matthew 25. But before that, we're going to share a few little things before we go there. 
And it's a, what we call this a Matthew 25 challenge. And it's going to be throughout this week. And it's going to take us and it's going to stretch us. And it's going to pull us out of our comfort zones. And I say us, because I believe it's we as a church, whether you're online with us today, it's something that we're going to challenge each and every one of us to be a part of. Each and every one of us as families, as individuals, to be a part of what God is going to do. You know, earlier I talked about stepping into the challenge of a, of a mission trip. I can say that wasn't my only trip. I've had the opportunity to go to several different countries and to minister in several different churches and communities and orphanages and on street ministry. And then, and God has been, a, I've been able to, to step in and see the need firsthand. And many of you maybe in this room have stepped on a mission trip. Maybe you've been on a, been in that place. Maybe you've never, and you've, maybe you're like, oh, I would love to do that. But maybe you've been one somebody that's been supporting and saying, I, I can't go, but I will definitely support. I will definitely see the need and be a part of that. But each time I've, I've seen the needy, the hungry, the thirsty, the sick, the abandoned, but I, but I know the investment we made in their lives made a difference for the future. The thing is, I think for a lot of us, it's hard to fathom what it's like for a lot of people in other countries. Because we, 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 we live in our world where we're at. And we have our kids, and we have our family, and we have things that are happening. And it, it, honestly, it is. It's easy to bypass, to have an opportunity lost. Because we have so many things that are happening. And we're so fast-paced, and we have this thing and that thing, and we've got to get our kids to here, and this, this, this child's here, or we've got this event, or we've got this meeting, or we've got, we got this for our job, and we've got to get prepared for this. And so many things begin to consume our time. And we can't begin to fathom what other, what other people in other countries, what their need may be. It's hard to think that there's families and mothers and children that are walking miles and miles and miles to go get a pitcher of water and carry back home. That's not, even, that's not even drinkable. That's not even really healthy to drink, but this is their source. And they do this every day. They walk miles and miles. We walk 10, 15 feet to a sink and we turn a faucet or we open a fridge and we, we grab a nice cold bottle of water. But we look at them and like, oh, yeah, bless their heart. But then all of a sudden it's back to our world and it's hard for us to kind of transition and to know what that's like. Or to know what it's like to, to have your world turned upside down because of famine or because of violence or because of persecution, because of your faith. And to be moved from one village to another, be kicked from your land. Or to be come in and be slaughtered because all of a sudden you've accepted a faith that's not in line with their faith. Or it's become so desolate and so dry that you're having to try to find place. Where can we go and where can we survive? It's hard for us to even fathom that, to even think about it. But today we get to, we're going to partner with World Vision on our Matthew 25 challenge. In just a second, we're going to have a video that's going to explain a little bit. Then I'm going to come back after the video and give more, some more thoughts into it. And then we're going to walk out how we can be a part of this challenge. But the Matthew challenge is, is, a, is a week-long series of challenges that helps us to engage the words that Jesus spoke in Matthew 25. We've got to allow our, sh- our focus to shift. Are we moved with compassion? Are we moved to see the need? So the Matthew 25 challenge, is, it's, a, it's a text message experience. It's a challenge that each day for the next six days, you're going you're gonna to receive a text with a challenge. 
that you do for that day. And you heard a few of them, what it might be. It's the simplest thing, honestly. It's one day. One day. And we have people in these countries that do this every day. The sacrifice that they make. And for us, we look at it, this would be a huge sacrifice. We think it's a huge sacrifice. But you're going to receive a text message that's going to give you instructions what what you do for that day. And then you're going to also receive some other text messages of some stories from children around the world. And then you're going to also have some that has prayer points uh, or discussion questions that you can do individually or hopefully that you do as a family. This is something to engage your family around the table, around the living room. To say, can we allow for this week to God to challenge us in a way that's going to transform our faith, that's going to transform the way we see people in need, that's going to transform the way we think. I believe it's going to be an amazing week. I'm excited. I'm excited to step into it. I'm excited for the challenges. I know some of the challenges. I'm like, ah, but I'm I'm like, okay, God, it's not about me. It's about the obedience and what you're wanting to do and how you're wanting to to shift. So we're going to take a few minutes here before I come back and give you a little bit more instruction and we close out the service. But I just want to give you just a few minutes here to just reflect. It's time to just to pray and say, okay, God, what you've spoken this morning or what you're wanting to do this week, help me to be ready to step into that. All right, so here's what we need you to do. You can turn the lights back up just for a second because I want everybody to be able to see. Everybody pull out your phone. <laughs> it's like, wait, wait a minute. Some of you, you already had some of them out. Some are playing games already. I saw you. Um, you lost. But anyway, um, pull out your phones. So that we want everybody to participate. Some of you are like, I'm not doing it. Pull out your phones. We want as many, we want 100% participation. I think it would be great that we as church, we come back next Sunday. Because guess what? Next Sunday, and Pastor Pastor Patrick already give a little bit of insight to what's going to happen next Sunday. And I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen next Sunday. But it's going to be an amazing Sunday, and you don't want to miss it. We're going to come back and celebrate after what God has done this week. And God's going to challenge us even more. And I'm telling you, you do not want to miss next Sunday. So how many got your phones out? Everybody got their phones out? I'm giving you time to dig through, turn them on. Everybody got their phones. You're like, oh, I left it. I'm like, oh, I'm not sure. Come on. Can we just step in? Put your faith and trust in God that he wants to do something this week. So what we need you to do is get your phones. And at the top, you're going to put 56170. That's in your contacts area. That's the number you're texting to. That's not the message. So your message is GF Hope M25. It does not have to be capitalized. So you're going to text GF Hope M25 to 56170. 56170. GF Hope M25. You do not have to capitalize it. And once you do that, you're going to be plugged in for this week and for the challenges and what God's going to do. I'm telling you, it's going to be an exciting week. I believe it's something that can shift, that something can cause us to refocus. It can cause us to see. And I, you know what? I also invite, do what? Invite friends. Somebody, maybe that's not here today. Maybe somebody that is like, they don't even attend church. You know what? What a great conversation starter. What a way to do something with a friend that's not coming to church. Say, hey, would you just do this with me this week? I've been challenging my church to do this. 
So maybe reach out to some friends, reach out to some family, people that are not even here. Say, hey, let's do this together and we'll discuss it each night. We'll, we'll jump on and FaceTime or something, but let's do this together. And I believe as a church we walk through this, we're going to see God do something incredible. And there's going to be something that's going to shift, not only in our church, but in our community. In our community. Can I pray for you today? Father, we thank you and I thank you for your challenge. Thank you for your word. That we not become just only hearers of it, but become doers of your word. That we step out in faith. That we're willing to walk out our faith. We're willing to put feet to our faith and say, God, use us. Help us to see the need of those around us. Now, Father, I ask for your hands of blessings to be upon this congregation of people, this community. For those that are at home, those that are with us in this room. And Father, I ask you to touch them and move. And in Jesus' name. Now, Father, that we go and become fully devoted followers of Jesus fully voted devoted followers of jesus that we let god love us we love him in return and we love others in jesus name amen go be church god bless you today amen